I've known Kendra Leonard for roughly 20 years. We met working at Banana Republic and was immediately aware of her innate ability of being an astute, direct woman while also exuding an empathetic approach to her leadership, something I think many more people could learn from. One thing you may realize is, Kendra has been through a lot. She's one of the most resilient people I know and has never wavered from her ever-ready smile and an aptitude to remain positive in any situation whatsoever, all reasons why I wanted to sit down with her. A little over 10 years ago, Kendra launched her brick-and-mortar business, The Art of Style, and we discuss her accordion-like journey of expanding and contracting her store count, as well as the trials and tribulations of retail in general. We chat about the importance of the human connection and how clothing can actually serve as motivation, and how a customer demographic isn't necessarily about a particular age or size. Kendra is in a really great place right now and continues to teach me things, and in this interaction it was to be aware of the distinction of commitment and attachment and how they are not really the same thing. That may seem obvious, but I truly feel many of us very well associate the two as one. I really enjoyed this chat, so if you're at all into fashion, clothes, the ins and outs of the business, or even self-help for that matter, this may just be your cup of tea. I hope you enjoy it. I'm your host, Wesley Smith, and you're listening to the Standard H Podcast. But one of my oldest friends, yeah, I know. Kendra Leonard. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to see you. Thanks for doing the show. Hey, thanks for asking me. Thanks for being here. Yeah, for sure. All right, I know you. The audience doesn't. Where'd you grow up? Oh, I've been in Raleigh, North Carolina since I was five years old. From outside of Chicago, still kind of claim that as my home. Nice. But I have been in Raleigh for 35 years now, so. Good. What, your folks, what did they do? That I don't know. My mother, uh, so they're both retired. Uh, my mother was a teacher for her entire existence. And What'd she teach? She taught third grade for most of it. I mean, she actually taught a lot of it for, for the majority of the years, third grade. And then it was on to like Title I teaching at the end because she's really good about helping people that really have kind of like severe learning disabilities and things like that. And so she can really tap into the ones that really need help and really get it to the heart of the matter to help them overcome those challenges. Um, so she's amazing. My dad uh, worked for the government um, when I was very anti-government in high school and I was like going on a rant. He's like, do you know who I work for? And I was like, Raytheon. And he's like, yes, as a government contract employee, I am the person that designs computer chips that put in missiles to blow things up. And I was like, I don't like you or that. Um, that's not so, okay. so that perpetuated the anti-government? Mm, yeah, really. So That's funny. So... High school was all here. You've been in Raleigh the whole time. What were like some of your earlier interests? I mean, were you always into fashion? I think I, I started wearing black when I was eight. Um, <laughs> I started wearing black. This is amazing. Um, I've always we're both sitting here <laughs> in very dark colors. <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing midnight tonight in navy blue, but navy blue and black is nice. Trying to teach people that's an okay thing. Um, I have always. My mother has always allowed me to like just be me. Um, and so I pass that on to my child as well. And I think that like Punky Brewster grew up watching her. And so I just I had all these funky, crazy things that I would do. Um, but I, I I think back to like, oh, I started wearing black and I'm and psychologically I'm like, that's when my parents got divorced. And I'm like, was I going through some sort of grieving thing? So psychology is very much a part of what I do and what I went to school for. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know, little things like that, I'm, you know, starting to look at things through a different lens. Where did you go to school? Where did you go to college? 
I started at NC State, and then I got pregnant uh, my sophomore year. My father, you know, I broke the rule, so he was like, I'm not paying for college anymore. I had to stop going. I had complications in my pregnancy and um, had a two-vessel cord instead of a three-vessel cord and um, ended up having, like, all these complications and cesarean at the end of that and after 26 hours of labor. But anyway, my daughter's perfect and amazing, and now she's 20, believe it or not. Yeah, that's insane. Um, But, yeah, I finished up uh, years later at Dallas Baptist University, which is – the college or the university that my late husband's brother went to that he told me about that I could do like online education and get credit for my experience. So instead of going and taking a class on human resource management, I wrote a 10 page document on human resource management. And I basically did that for like 10 classes. So, and I did that in one semester. So just time, money, all of that. I got credit for seven out of the 10 of them. And then I finished. And because it was a uh, Baptist university, I had to take religion classes. And I was like looking through like, what can I take? And I was like, oh, I can travel to Greece and Turkey and follow in the footsteps of Paul the Apostle. Cool. Um, Oh wait, there's another trip. And then of course I was like, where else can I go? What else can I do? So I went to Malta after that. It was like a graduate level class that I was like, can you get me undergraduate credit? Which they did. It's the darkest, bluest water I've ever seen in Malta. God, it's amazing. I love Malta so much. Yeah, oh it's my God. incredible. The people are incredible. Um, and then I went to Israel um, after that. So, um, and then I, yeah, completed my degree finally um, years later. Um, with In a, international studies? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, partly, yeah. I think it counts. That's awesome. Well, okay. So then, so you were studying human resources then? So I actually went back to school because I wanted to get into pharmaceutical sales. Like ah. that's what um, I'd actually um, started back at NC State and realized like as a single mother and member of leadership at Banana Republic, like I just didn't have time to physically go. So I needed online classes. And at the time there weren't a ton of online classes that NC State offered. So that's why the whole Dallas Baptist University thing came up and I could do that online. And they had like... Um, quarter classes instead of semester classes. So I got to like chop it up in the little bits and handle it that way. Um, so yeah, I ended up getting, um, so I went back to school for pharmaceutical sales. The day that I finished classes was the day that Miguel was diagnosed with leukemia. And so instead of like walking and getting my diploma the next week, we were in the hospital. And so I finished my studies and I actually, the very next day after he told me that he was diagnosed, I had a meeting already set up with GlaxoSmithKline and the guy was like, you look rough. And I was like, I didn't want to tell him obviously. You, know? uh, you have no idea. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, and then when he was like, Hey, I told my district manager about you and he wants you to come along for a ride you know, ride along. And I was like, listen, you know, when you told me I looked rough. Yeah. I'd been crying the entire night because my boyfriend told me he was diagnosed diagnosed with leukemia and I can't switch jobs and be committed to anything like I've been a banana public for I don't know seven years at this point maybe and I needed to keep that you know safety net and just security as I had tons of vacation and the know-how and the knowledge trying on something new was not for me um, at the time and so I stayed at Banana Republic but of course my husband you know ended up passing and um, after 17 months of that um I got passed over for a promotion and I was just like, fuck it, life's too short, love what I do, can't do this anymore. Wrote the business plan in two months and ran for woman of the year for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, raised $30,000 in 10 weeks, won the campaign, sold my house, bought my new one, quit two weeks later. And yeah, self-employed August 1st of 2010. And 
First door, November of 2010. Second door, 11, 11, 11. I booked 12, 12, 12. Got rid of the first door. Okay, we're, we're going to go over all this, <laughs> I'm like, honestly. I'm like, how much do you want to know? I'm trying yeah, to get quick. Yeah, it's, it's so crazy because it's been a wild ride, obviously, with especially just in store count, right? Like, I definitely want to get kind of into that little bit of nitty gritty, if you will. Please. Um, only due to the fact that, okay, so we kind of glazed over banana, right? Like, so did you start at banana in high school? I started my freshman year. Okay, I was going to say, because you and I met at Banana. Yes. Here in Raleigh, Crabtree Valley Mall, shout out. Yeah. Um, but with that in mind, I, I just remember you being like an assistant manager already, like when I started, I think. So I started as a pace setter in the company, which was kind of like a manager in training. And right. And then I became assistant manager, associate manager, and they, of course, went through restructuring and it went to, um, I was customer experience manager after being a merchandise presentation manager. So I kind of did everything except eventually run the store. And that's when I got, you know, passed over after 11 and a half years and not necessarily that it was the time. I mean, yes, long time, but I do think at the time I was actually ready. Like there were other opportunities in the past for me to run the store and I had applied and they were like, you're not ready. And I'm like, okay. And looking back, I wasn't. But at that time I felt like I definitely was. And then of course the guy they brought in was at the recommendation of the woman that quit the Friday before Black Friday, which is like a mortal sin. And oh, right. he was kind of, I don't know, treated my employees horribly and, and was kind of slack. And I was like, and you gave it to him. And that's when I was like, life's too short. You know, yeah. so that was my catalyst to go yeah i mean you know one of those things about larger companies i feel like is just that delicate delicate balance between like what you do every day doing it well and then the politics of course you know what i mean but why do you think they kept promoting you i mean i think that i i think that i earned it i think that i worked no but i'm saying more specifically (laughs) because you definitely earned it i'm just saying (laughs) like what about you do you think they saw or like what what qualities do you have that i think that a i'm well my number one strength is positivity and i'm a people person um everything out of my mouth is usually about my people um in terms of like loving on them and communication with them and so i was the one that people confided in um a lot of times and could and was kind of the liaison to the rest of the leadership team of like trust us you have to trust me we need to handle it this way or whatever. And because I very much believe that every human is different. And from a corporate perspective, when everyone wants to like cookie cut everything, you can't cookie cut people. And I think that, um, that's what I love about having my own business is that, and I will encourage everyone that I hire and train throughout my process that you do manage everyone differently. And it's not that you're playing favorites or anything like that at all. It's because they're different people. It's because they're different people. People are motivated by different things. So, I mean, I think I was super hardworking. I was super dedicated. I loved what I did. I was, um, I mean, again, I'm all about the people. So the internal clients as well as the external clients. And I was a great salesperson. Were you ever getting recruited from other companies? Like, did anybody try to pluck you away? Oh, yeah. Like who? I mean, Apple. And, they were, and I was like, I'm computer illiterate. And they were like, but it's <laughs> all about people. And I'm like, I'm computer illiterate. Um, I'm not going to. Um, and now I'm like, damn. Um, but I wasn't my passion. Like I'm passionate about people and clothing. Like those are my loves. Yeah, that Um, makes sense. Obviously like Ann Taylor, I think, um, limited came to me at one point in time. Um, now did you skip on those brands because they weren't banana or was it the aesthetic or were you digging through rumors in corporate culture that wouldn't align with where you were at or like, why would you pass on those gigs? 
Um, hmm. I mean, it wasn't banana. I think that Gap Inc. in general is probably the best retailer in terms of structure and uh, their training. management training is exactly. second to none. And so, um, and and the people. I mean, you know, people stay for people. People don't stay for corporations. Um, but there was a lot of great people at Banana Republic. I did love my district manager. I think of I just had a crazy dream about him and reached out to him on LinkedIn. Actually, I was like, "Hey, come see me sometime." Oh, um, that's awesome. But yeah, no, I just um, I wasn't I couldn't I, I didn't want to leave. I liked the philosophy of Banana Republic. I liked the you know the purpose, values, behaviors that I, I taught the training. So like I I spoke that language, and I mean even my business plan. I mean it's written after like that. Those core values um, very much remain. aligned. Yeah, with my moral fiber and yeah. the people that are part of my company. Yeah, that's awesome. Getting back to where you were sort of alluding to before, you kind of got passed over on the ultimate promotion of running that store, which was interesting because that store has like grown. It like doubled in size, then it moved in the mall. Like, so yes, but I was actually, I don't know if I guess you don't know this, I was transferred to Streets at South Point my last year. Oh, I did not know that. So they moved me to that location. Um, and that was the store that was like great business but it was a cluster i mean it was a complete cluster i i opened that store okay yeah so they couldn't like they couldn't keep people they couldn't keep it clean they didn't know what was wrong with it and so when they put me over there we did a 180 with like because you know we had employee surveys and in terms of the happy like the morale like the satisfaction the store, yeah completely changed and did a 180 and so part of my like what were you most proud of i was like that right there like we retained a ton of people because it's again it's how you treat your people right and it's just asking them when they come in at the end of a day or at the end of their day that they're starting their shift at Banana Republic as a part-time employee after they're working 40 hours a week and dealing with death and deadlines and everything else of like hey how are you and just yeah. looking them in the eye and and treating them with respect like, as like human on beings. a human level imagine that yeah. yeah that's the whole thing about corporate well, that's that epic though members. for you it's everything. Yeah. I mean, without my people, I'm nothing. And so, and you are as great as your weakest link. Right. And so, and it's just always learning and everyone's on a different journey and respecting people where they are. And no, hundred percent. I think that's phenomenal. All right. So 2011, 2010, 2010, I left yeah. two months. You wrote your business plan, mm-hmm. yeah. raised $30,000. Yes. Now when you raised that cash, was it friends and family? Was it all strangers was I mean it? it was it was definitely a mixture and combination of everyone um, I had a pin on um, and so a bunch of people would be like what's that and so of course I would share the story um, and it was you know and then it was doubled by Gap Inc we had a fashion show that was the big thing that we did to get the most money basically and um, yeah and then Gap Inc doubled our efforts so and I had little like I had a cigar smoker and I had you know little events here and there and but the fashion show was the one that made it happen and that kind of was and we'd been doing fashion shows, Habitat for Humanity, Alliance of Aid Services Carolinas. So at this point in time, it was Leukemia Lymphoma Society. When you're raising this money, it's all based on donation. It sounds like 100. percent So there's no terms. There's no payback. There's no. No. This is all just the giving. grace of folks. Yeah, that's it's awesome. Just giving. Yeah, and I think that people, you know, I think that there's obviously a million causes, and it's like what speaks to you. And I think that cancer has affected everyone, and I think that even people that had run that didn't have a connection to cancer that's why they have the boy and the girl of the year but i think that you know my experience um with miguel 
was, you know, and because I'm a people person, like I talked to my clients and I talked to everyone I knew about it. And I think that their love and support and then, of course, financial donations, you know, helped. Yeah. So. And you opened your first store. In November of 2010 in Briar Creek. Okay, that's right. It was Briar Creek first, and yes. then you opened your second store. A year later on 11-11-11. Yeah, I was going to open a lounge because I want, I also, I will someday. I'll have an adult lounge someday. But um, yeah, I opened the second store in Cameron Village and then had the two. Kind of lost my brain. Um, that was a little hellacious having two stores in two bad locations. But got rid of Briar Creek after. Why would you say they're both bad locations? I mean, as a young entrepreneur, I think that, um, and I'm being very stubborn too, um, that I didn't want to be in North Hills or Cameron Village that have a perception of being like very stuck up and what's called inside the belt line and like fake and pretentious people and all with love because that's where I come from. But like, I love everyone, but we all have red blood and we all like have green money and I don't really think that anyone's better than anyone else and so I don't like the air that comes along with um, pretentiousness and um, so for me it's all about humility and love and respect and integrity of like the so did you soul. find those were being compromised when you were in Cameron Village then um I mean we got mocked a lot I mean everyone kind of like we were definitely the redheaded stepchild and I'm totally fine with being that one um but it wasn't it wasn't a good fit like what i realized again like not knowing and of course location 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 right but i i you know i was trying to be different by being at briar creek and like standing out and being the only boutique there um and being the only like non-corporate you know thing but then of course when you look at like now hindsight you know you look back and you're like oh yes everything's cookie cutter nobody wants what i'm doing which is totally different um, and so in Cameron Village, it's very, um, again, what they call inside the belt line, but, you know, and very millennial, like, um, and I don't have anything against millennials. They're great. They're going to grow up too, but like our bread and butter, and I hate to talk about size or age in my business, but yeah, mid forties, mid fifties in terms of disposable income and people that are well-traveled and versed in that. And of course I have people in my thirties and twenties too, and 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. It was funny because I was going to talk to you about your customer a little bit later, but yeah, that's interesting. So you actually traditionally fall on like the higher end of the age group yeah interesting yeah but um and I mean I think obviously over the course of the years there our selections have changed and we're able to buy different brands now I think that right now I mean everyone is really price conscious that's been a huge I mean I was gone you know a lot over the month of January and a lot of the feedback that I got from my ladies was that people are like very everything is about price like oh there's no way oh never mind like how much is this and why and so yeah i think people are a little shaken up so now far. we can jump around here a little bit based on price sensitivity and such like you're not a highly promotive business are you no meaning like do you go on sale no ever so february is our sale month and it's our spin on valentine's day we call it our only the lonely sale um so all of our last one pieces um which we have like little labels on all the hangers of the last piece um they go to 30 percent off gotcha just because i have a ton of them um and so they need love too so they yeah that's why we do that um but otherwise no we do not do markdowns on a regular basis and we don't um just because our pieces are timeless and classic and a lot of them are all year long um and we only get a size run of everything in so obviously there's the occasional because i do a lot of online shopping as well and i feel like i have a good eye in terms of aesthetic and product um absolutely but definitely have gotten some pieces and i'm like 
didn't see that or ooh, that's not the material I thought it was or I mean there's only so far a picture can go sometimes and obviously yeah. I'm a human that makes mistakes and errors and I have to swallow that so so sorry to jump around uh, going back to when you opened your second store though like what was the impetus behind opening your second store and it also like so quickly because I mean a year is not much time yeah was um, like business so good that you were like wow this is just good to go um i mean my cpa and my merchant rep were like oh my god you're doing great and i was like okay and i had basically i had a speaking engagement at nc state and i had like five people that wanted to intern for me and i was getting ready to open like i was working on opening this lounge i'd met with like seven contractors and architects to like do the design and everything else and i was like you know what maybe i should just stick with what i know let me just open another store and so i like snapped my fingers and in three weeks i had one open no um, way because i work really fast like when i make a decision to go i go well how did you get the inventory uh i split it so I literally halved my store in Briar Creek and then I just, so I split the sizes. And so we just had people going back and forth and then I went back and forth every other day. Like Now, for those who don't live in Raleigh, obviously, which is the yeah. majority of the people that listen to this <laughs> podcast, um, how far apart are these stores? So it's, it's like, like 10 miles, 20, oh, well, something like that. But it's, I mean, it's like a nice solid and probably now it's actually more like 30 minutes just because of traffic. Okay. Um, but one is in now like it was right outside of downtown Raleigh and the other one was like halfway on the way to Chapel Hill. It's like right near the airport. It's yeah. yeah. Right near the airport. So yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. Like thinking international clients and things like that. But yeah, we were totally hidden. Well, now you're downtown Raleigh Thank proper. God. Thank God. So you went from by the airport then just outside of downtown and and i think cameron village is the oldest open air shopping center not a mall correct but in the nation yes which is kind of crazy so it's kind of a historical monument but like um you're downtown proper now so what happened with those two stores what was that sequence like so um after so after briar creek came up for renewal i got rid of briar creek and had cameron village for five and a half years and i we knew that we'd wanted to get downtown um we just didn't think that any space available would actually or like we were looking at new construction um because we couldn't imagine anyone leaving what they had and then all of a sudden i get this phone call from a woman who i had consulted through the process of opening her store back in the day when i was at briar creek who would open two stores kind of like me and she was sick and tired of going back and forth. She lived in North Raleigh and had a store in North Raleigh and was downtown. And she was like, do you want my space? And I was like, oh my God, are you serious? And I mean, vaulted ceilings and it is on like the street heading into, I mean, like we are on the corner of the busiest street. My favorite bar is a block away. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, and everything is right here. All the festivals are right here. We came here and we doubled our business and doubled our clientele and obviously have continued to increase ever since. So, so did you have the two open? No, I had left one. Got it. We coordinated. We had, sorry, I meant. Cameron Village yes. in here. Yeah. So you still had a store count of two when you opened here downtown. No, 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 no. no. We completely shut um, Cameron Village down because in order was... to come down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Got didn't, it. I didn't want to have the two. I didn't. We were definitely wanting to get out of Cameron Village. Um, so it was a proper move. Yes. Got it. Yeah. So we had someone that sublet the space. What's your square footage here? Seventeen eighty. And that's selling. Uh, we or have fifteen eighty. Okay. So we have about two hundred in our yeah. stock room. Got yeah. it. Well, I mean, it's amazing space. And you've been here how long? It's been three and a half years now. Thank you. It's beautiful. It feels good. That's awesome. Now, 
As you were succeeding with those last two stores, I mean, obviously you shuttered the one to open here, right? To move. Was all the investment reinvested back into the business? Absolutely. Just to keep it going? Yeah. I mean, I've done everything from scratch. Um, I haven't had any investors. I literally asked the bank for 100000 back in the day, and they gave me forty-two. and I was like, well, what do I do when I need more? And they were like, oh, come back for more. And of course, when I did, they were like, sorry, can't give you anything. You don't make any money. And I'm like, that's why I'm coming to you. And, <laughs> and then it was like struggle bus. I mean, there was definitely, there were times that I remember that I literally was like, oh, let me go check my stock room to see if they're, you know, like, oh, I need to size. Oh, I don't have anything in my stock room. Like, please, God, buy a shirt. Like, please. Right. Um, and so really dark times um, back in the day. And yeah, I mean, retail is, retail's dying. And I'm hoping to revolutionize it because I think that, yes, online is a big thing. Um, I don't want to get ahead of anything, but I think that there is a huge I think that people are very lost and depressed and anxious and suicidal in the society based on a lot of the technological advances that we have and social media. And I think that we are very much in need of human connection. And so I'm computer illiterate and always have been, but I'm emotionally intelligent and I need to look into people's eyes so I can see their souls and also like share my love with them. And so what we do here is that. Well, it's kind of interesting because I actually had somebody pull me aside from a different conversation based on this podcast alone and saying that like, I think that is part of the reason that podcasts in general have exploded the way they have over the last few years is because it does create a human connection, even though you're not in the room listening right. to, let's say you and I talking, but the idea is to create the environment where you feel as though you could be having that cup of coffee with us or that beer with us or what right. have you. So, I mean, that's why I like podcasts personally. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I've even just the people that I follow on Instagram, for example, I've had so many either go on like quote unquote cleanses where they just won't even be on Instagram for a month. I've had people close their accounts um, or just commit to doing less and less of it. I read somebody yesterday, as a matter of fact, uh, he said that he is now relying on social media only to be delivered through his desktop computer. So Facebook, Instagram, all that, not to have it on his phone. And I was just like, wow, I'd, I mean, I wouldn't even think to do that, but Maybe that's because I'm away from my computer 99% of the time. Right. And my phone's always on me, but maybe that's his point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? So um, I don't think there's any maybe about it, frankly. But uh, I think it's ironic that all these, um, the social media has been created to connect. And I think it's created a disconnect. Um, and I think that someone asked me, I got interviewed by a doctor from NC State not too long ago. And he's like, how can technology help your business? And I was like, if you can develop something with technology to actually remove it so that there can be a human connection um, through it, that's what I think is necessary. Yeah. We need, I mean, we're human and we sure. have skin and we are meant to be like touched and physically loved and, and looked into somebody's eyes and smiled at and you know, through texting and emails and, and again, like obviously super convenient as a business owner, thank God for texting and everything else, but there's not necessarily like, I hope that people that I communicate with know my heart. So when I'm quick or blunt or whatever, they know where I'm coming from out of love and respect, but 
people, there's no room for smiley faces. I mean, I put smiley faces at the end of things to make sure you're getting like the way that I intended it because people, it's their perception as reality and they, they read something and they might have a negative attitude and take it as like, Ugh, you know, and that's not at all what I meant. Yeah, because there's so. no intonation in a text. So, yeah, so thank God for emojis, but also... God, I hate emojis I've because never now, because now people don't even know how to talk to each other. I don't know. We're they going just, back to hieroglyphics. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I was Cleopatra in my previous life, so that might help. But I don't know. <laughs> um, so one question I did want to ask, rotating amongst these stores, like how is your business different downtown, or just today in general? than it used to be, say, in Cameron Village or even Briar Creek. Like. I mean, it's night and day. My soul was being sucked out of me. I think that, you know, downtown, we, we doubled our business, and it is the right location for us. I mean, it's in the heart of downtown, and people downtown, I think, are open-minded and have a little bit more of a healthy mindset and lifestyle. Is there um, more foot traffic here? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 100%. And that's what I know that we need. As long as we have foot traffic, we're fine. Um, and that's why, obviously, we're looking to do, you know, things in bigger cities because also those people have things to do and disposable income and they dress. Um, so you're surrounded by businesses, right? Like, correct. so lunch breaks and such, I'm sure people are coming in. What happens on a Saturday or a Sunday? Um, are you considered a destination at that point? Oh, we are for, I would say, you know, some of our clients. We do have just a ton of people that walk through. We have a lot of, I think, obviously, we're European inspired. And so I think we have a lot of people that are transient that come through that really understand what we're doing here. They're um, familiar with the labels. We're not, um, we're not Southern style. So, and we're not in a market that is very fashion forward. And so with love, like... People are very, very casual, and I'm also... And conservative. And conservative. And so, and and I don't think that we do anything, like, I don't consider us flashy, but we definitely have, like, a little bit of an edge to us, but mm -hmm. more modern. Um, but clean and classic. I mean, my history at Banana Republic, that's my foundation, and that's what I, like, I'm going to rock this dress when I'm 70. And that's my motivation also to stay healthy, um, because I want to wear this dress, and I want to, like, I use my clothing as, like motivation to stay healthy I use it as like you know investment pieces like I don't frivolously I mean I do frivolously buy things but because I'm addicted to clothing and but I buy them with intention and I do think about like yes this is a $200 whatever but I'm gonna wear it till I'm 70 and so I'll go out and spend $200 on a weekend you know having dinner and drinks and whatever why would I not spend that on you know dressing myself for sure presenting myself to the world every day and and obviously I own a clothing store, so I want to look presentable. Well, and I mean, even down to the human connection, right? Like if you're actually in the same room with somebody, you see them first before you hear them typically. Yeah. Uh, and then conversely, like conversations may spiral out of that. But I that, that first impression typically comes from a view, right. like a viewpoint, you and, know. And most of us are fortunate enough to have the gift of sight. And so I think that, yes, before you open your mouth, your outfit says something about you. The way that you carry yourself as a human says something. And I, again, not materialism, not arrogance, because I am not a fan of that at all. That's not what I am in this industry for. I know that there's a huge part of the fashion industry that's all about like, ah, and that's not. Yeah, confidence, but. Yeah, no, and, and could definitely be misconstrued or misrepresented. Correct. No, I think confidence, I think 
<clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I am confident when I put clothing on that makes me feel a certain way. And sometimes, and of course, it should be coming from the inside out. Some days I feel like crap. And so I'm going to dress up so I look great. And I mean, the number one piece of feedback is that we get comp like clients get compliments on everything that they wear. So, you know, that's awesome. Don't let it go to your head. Vain people suck. Just tell them where you got it. Keep it coming back, you know. But I do think there's the confidence that comes with that. And I, I am worried about the apathy um, that's going on in many different arenas, obviously, especially clothing, um, that I just wonder, like, people just don't care. Um, and again, is it because they don't know who they are and they're lost and I think sad? And I think the more that you get to know yourself, which is what we try to help people do, and not that anyone needs help or guidance or whatever, but like, do you feel like that we can help with that? And that clothing is a big part of expressing your personality and your style. Well, sure. I think it can definitely instill confidence because even on those bad days, if, if you try to look your best, you can oftentimes feel your best. So you can yeah. completely flip the script from, you know, that horrible wake up moment to say lunchtime. Right. I think it's completely fair. Are you a watch collector, but having trouble finding something cool and unique? I mean, the last thing you really want is what everyone else has, right? Well, this is where my friend and former Standard Age podcast guest, Tim Jackson, comes in. He and his wife, Jana, own Passion Fine Jewelry in Solana Beach, California, where you'll find an incredible assortment of independent watches waiting for you in their shop and online. And if you're getting engaged, have an anniversary coming up, or simply have another reason to buy jewelry, they have you covered. Passion Fine Jewelry also employs a goldsmith on staff for any custom desires, so you're able to go that route if you so choose. Visit Passion Fine Jewelry when you find yourself in Southern California, but they're also open 24 hours a day at passionfinejewelry.com. You can also find a wealth of information through Tim's blog, independentintime.com, where he covers anything independent watchmaking related, uh, among a plethora of other information, so check that out as well. I've really enjoyed creating these podcasts on behalf of Standard H and sharing each of these personal stories with all of you. We each have goals, and it's the entrepreneurial spirit that inspired me to start the company. You can further support the brand and the podcast by visiting standard-h.com to pick up your choice of merchandise. And as always, thank you for listening. Lastly, if you have a moment, please rate and review the show. It makes a tremendous difference in keeping these things going. Now back to my conversation with Kendra. You doubled your business, you said, coming down here. Did the buy change at all? Or like what, I mean, other than foot traffic, what do you think, I mean, has there been any sort of different approach in this neighborhood? Um, not in terms of our level of service. I mean, it was it's always the same. Service is really important to us. I mean, and you've always been the buyer, right? Yeah. I think that I, um, I mean, obviously, since we made more money, I was able to buy different brands. Um, but I do think that, like, when we have three different tiers of pricing, but of course, when someone sees one tag of an amazing piece, they might not look at anything else because of the price point and they walk yeah, out. Sticker so, shock, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, again, our, our true clients aren't super price conscious. Um, and it is something that we take into consideration. But, um, you know, we do have a, an ebb and flow with that too. And I think that it's, it's constant. I mean, I'm always losing a brand. Like every other year I lose a brand that I don't know if their design team goes on acid or something, but I'm like, what happened to your, huh? Oh, I see. Um, you're, you're losing them and then you're not buying them. It's <laughs> not like they're shutting their doors right. or anything. Oh, well, that's the other half that, of it that too. That happens too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's retail is, is 
all of it is dying. I mean, if we can't, you know, stores are closing because people aren't shopping in them. They're shopping online and they're not, you know, purchasing the clothing through a store, then obviously all the clothes that that, you know, store purchase, well, from those brands. I mean, the last trade show I went to, it was the energy was very different and very heavy and very I'm very interested. I leave tonight to go to Vegas and I'm really interested to talk to you, not only my reps for my brands, but also other people who own businesses and what their, you know, the thermostat gauge is with them because it's a very challenging place to be in retail. And I, I personally, I don't like online shopping. So I like to go to stores and I like to touch and feel and try. Um, and I like to interact with people. Um, and I don't know, I'm still faithful that there is like people that want tons of people actually still want to have that experience of that connection with someone in a store and having that relationship and purchasing those clothing or those clothes from them. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people get into the habit of going into stores to touch and feel, and then just assume or know with confidence that they can go online and buy it cheaper. Yeah. So, I mean, I've already know the answer to this question, but I mean, like, how do you persuade somebody not to do that? Right. Again, I think that our true clients are very much aware of that and they are like, Kendra, I don't, I don't come here to get a deal. I don't come here to get something on Markdown, you know. Um, it's to support Kendra. It's to support, yeah. And Well, I, and your other employees. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> In all fairness. Um, so it's, yeah, like they... You know, I think people people like us here. We make the building look good. Um, we make the we make Raleigh look good. We're trying. We'd like to, you know, make that footprint go a little farther, though. Sure. Okay. We had talked about it very briefly earlier, but who is your customer? Um, my, as much as I don't like to talk about age or um, size, um, I mean, I think people that are typically in their forties and fifties, they actually um, are, you know obviously professionals that are well-traveled, um, they're cultured, um, they have a, an appreciation for clothing, they have appreciation for style. Um, it's not that they're flashy about it, but they want to look good. Um, and they know that like a well-lived life consists of a great wardrobe as well. And so they use clothing to project the well-lived life that they have. Um, well, I, when you started your business, you were in your 20s, right? I was 30. Okay, 30. I was going to say, I was thinking 28, but at any rate, I just turned when you, when you, <laughs> happy belated <laughs> or happy early birthday, isn't next I'll March, be, right? I'll be 41. Oh, okay. I didn't realize you were older than I am. Yeah. That's funny. So when you started your business, I doubt you thought, well, I'm going to open up a clothing store for people in their 40s and 50s. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously your client sort of creates itself, right? From a population standpoint. When I wrote my business plan, I actually had three different tiers of clients. And I, because I, again, was very much adamant about like, it's not about age and it's not about size. And so I had these, you know, the early adopters um, that were young. So those would be the millennials now of like, and we do have them that basically covet this one item, you know, that they can purchase and have the spotlight from their closet shining on this one piece um, that are, you know, that they're younger, but they're out of the box thinkers and they're, you know, I don't want to say like like creatives um kind of they're they're okay in their own skin and they don't want to conform and they're okay not looking like anybody else so those are my young like early adopters and then I have like the established professionals which is like our bread and butter and our core clients that I think of and so they're the ones that you know have been established in their careers and they have like disposable income starting families and things like that um <clears throat> 
And then I have, you know, my, what did I call them? I don't know. Experienced. You're only going back 10 years. Yeah, I know. Um, Jog the memory. <laughs> yeah, but experienced, um, I don't know, experienced souls that, that they've been there, they've done that. They don't like to waste money on, you know, or they spend their money with intention. So they want good things. They want, uh, I don't know, I was thinking good food, good wine, because that's what I want in traveling, you know, but they want to look good doing all those things. And they, again, have that appreciation for style and clothing. So those are my, the three demographics. And they have, again, a disposable income and their kids are out of the house and they're spending more money on themselves. So those are kind of like the three, you know, categories of individuals that I initially wrote my business plan based on. So That's awesome. And I feel like those are our clients. Like we truly obviously can help anybody, but Again, it's people that really do appreciate the style element and good quality. Yeah, for sure. So what lines do you carry? Uh, we carry a bunch. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me, for women, um, we just like two of our new brands, uh, Marcella Moda and Metamorphosa are from Bulgaria. We have um, Cara, Court, FT, um, Scotch and Soda for men. We've got new denim for men along with... Um, Wild Vertiga is one of our newest brands out of Israel. We just had a trunk show this weekend with them, and some of their pieces are very androgynous, um, so we appreciate that too. Um, and we have lots of men that shop in women's clothing and women that shop in the men's clothing, and again, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's just how you feel and how you want to express yourself. So, yeah, we have a ton of different kinds of brands. Um, I think mostly, uh, most of them are not stateside, um, just... I don't know. I feel like I got, I guess the ones that I'm more attracted to just have the angles and the lines and at least the brands that I have, um, got in the store are, um, just tend to be more overseas. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say it almost sounds like your buying strategy could also be arguably whether it's conscious or not of just trying to carry stuff that nobody else has. Correct. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know anybody that's shopping Bulgarian lines. <laughs> yeah. They're amazing. Um, their price point's great. Um, but I, you know, I think that it's there's an Australia. I do have Australian brands, but like, I don't know. I just, uh, especially like when I was in Cameron village and you know, like they, there were people that were like, well, we carry that brand or whatever. And I don't know. I don't want to look like anybody else. Like, I don't know. For me, the whole purpose of opening my store is that it doesn't look like anybody else's store. And like, I don't know. I had a vision. And um, Well, do you ever get resistance from customers that don't know a brand? Because I think that's kind of that tricky balance, too, of like wanting to look good. But, you know, there's certain cachet that comes with knowing a label, too, right? Like, even for standard age, like, I, I struggle with that, yeah. right? With people you know, selling to stores, they're like, well, we've never heard of you, so we can't buy you because we won't be able to sell you. It comes down to customers and education and storytelling and all that rest exactly. of that. But I, um, I don't know if I've always just gone for the underdog or something. I just, and, and also I look for style. Like I don't, when I'm at the trade show, you know, if I'm attracted to something, I go in there service to me is really important. So like, I mean, there was only one brand that I knew that I definitely wanted when I first went to the trade show and they totally took advantage of me and were like, Oh no, you need to do this, this and this. And I mean, I left and I went to lunch and I was alone and I went back and I was like, I need you to give me that order. And I ripped it up and I was like, I will never buy from you. Like the way that they treated me, like for me, everything is based on positive long-term relationships that are based on a foundation of trust. Like you can't have them otherwise. Can you go into more detail without telling the name of the brand yeah. obviously like what what happened 
I mean, I literally went in knowing that this was the one brand that I really wanted to carry because I why? love their style. Because I like their style. I had seen it before. I, I had pieces from them um, from other like stores that had carried them. Um, so you're very familiar. And I was really excited to carry this one particular brand. And again, it was classic, but it was edgy. And I went in there and I told him, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is my first trade show, but I know I wanted to carry you guys. And like, I don't need to be dog and pony. I hate that whole like, oh, let me sit down and have wine and let me la la la. And I don't like that. I don't have also time to waste. And I just don't, again, it's just not my thing. And so, um, but yeah, I went in there and very much felt that. And they went in there and they're like, oh no, you need to get this and this. And I was like, well, I don't really... I don't like that. Um, and she's like, well, it's not about you. It's about your clients. And I was like, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going to buy stuff that I don't like. Um, and I do, I think, have that issue where, of course, I buy things for clients and things like that. But ultimately, um, I buy it because I like it, too. So and I think I have a good eye um, for men and women. So sure. Well, do you want to talk about D.C.? Sure, of course. Absolutely. So you're looking to expand yes. again to ramp it back from one to two. Yes. Why DC? Why out of state? You were ten miles away between stores. Now you're five hour drive. Yep. <laughs> why would why would you do this? Um, well, I mean, when I wrote my business plan, I initially wanted one in every state, and then over time, I've like obviously with the experience of three locations, knowing that we just really need to be in big cities that are already established, very metropolis um, areas. And so DC is almost automatically international. Um, again, that's kind of our client um, and also our style and people in DC. I mean, we have a lot of clients obviously that live in DC. Um, it's easy to get to um, back and forth. Um, my father lives in DC. I don't know, I've got one here for mom, one there for dad. Um, and I think that we have um, a lot of people that are transient to D.C. as well. I mean, obviously, the political climate changes things. But I think people there have places to go and things to do and disposable income to be able to do those things. And they do dress uh, more or have more opportunities to dress, I guess. So it hasn't exactly been smooth sailing no. to do the expansion. What can you maybe share with us that's not been a pitfall because that sounds dramatic, but like what have been some of the hurdles maybe some of the the challenges honestly um it's weird i've been very committed to this but i'm not attached to it um which is what i'm trying to do with other aspects of my life is like, i am absolutely committed but i'm not attached if it doesn't happen i know that there's a reason why i mean we looked at dc last year and we actually looked at georgetown and then they gave the space to somebody else so we lost it um and thank god we're not in georgetown because georgetown's dying as well and it's apparently all the locals hate georgetown don't want to go there um traffic yeah absolutely super busy yeah so dc um has come about almost a year now and I got a phone call on my 40th birthday about it and they were like you know asked me if I was interested in DC and I was like I'm open and they were like there's this place underneath a black cat and I was like I just had a Reiki experience done and out of that experience came a black panther and I'm like okay if that's not writing on the wall I don't know what it is um, <laughs> so I just I started going to DC and I started doing market research I literally sat across the street at Ted's Bulletin and drank mimosas all day and like tallied the amount of people that were walking in front of my store across the street and that was like the sunny side and there was like 77 people every 15 minutes and not and I didn't even count the people on the shady side the street so I mean just the foot traffic alone is what we look for we know that that's what we need um, and so 
I don't know, doing that for a couple months and back and forth. And so finally, I've just only recently gotten the lease. I've met um, with the landlord and he's amazing and I love him. And I think that we make a great team together. I think he wants to revitalize this area of D.C. It's on 14th Street. Um, but the Black Cat has been around for like 26 years um, and he owns it. So I'm not dealing with like corporate anything. Like well, What kind of business is Black Cat? It's a music venue. Oh, sick. It's awesome. So, yes, every night we're going to have hundreds of people waiting outside of our store every day, you know, like waiting and then hopefully coming back to actually shop it. So, or we'll just stay open for them while they're in line. And sure. We'll probably change our hours. We're going to play it by ear and see. But yeah, I. I mean, hurdles. I mean, my contractor came up there and, you know, looked at the space and everything else. And I mean, obviously, I'm still waiting for the investment to come in. And um, but everything seems to be flowing smoothly. The only hiccup that I feel right now is that um, I, they're having permit issues. So D.C. is very political, right? And so they almost <laughs> are, they're not a state, so they can do whatever they want to do. And they have their own issues um, dealing with that. And I have nothing to do with that process. So it's unfortunately, my landlord has been dealing with all of it. Because all I need is like, I just do cosmetic changes to the space. So I don't need any permits for anything that I do. Um, so he is running into a ton of issues with that. And that has prolonged the process. We are supposed to come in there on February 1st. Um, and obviously, we're a few days after that. So we're not yeah. there. Yeah. So it looks like two more day or two more months, he says, is what he thinks for the permits to go through before he can actually deliver the space. And I don't want to open in June because it's hot. Um, so opening in March was the plan. And Friday the 13th underneath the black cat just sounds cool for grand opening purposes. So <laughs> sure. anyway, we'll see. Everything happens for a reason. I'm really not worried about it. Yeah, totally. Well, you've kind of mentioned charity work in the past and I know that's been near and dear to your heart on a multitude of levels. What are we doing these days? Charity wise. So I'm sure you're up to something. <laughs> so I think that part of the process of raising money for leukemia and lymphoma society, like we had definitely been doing the fashion show still, um, for that we recently stopped doing them for like having a silent auction, live auction and the gift of hope. Like, I just wanted to have a party and I just wanted to have um, people have fun. Like I'm already asking them to spend money on clothes and everything else. I just wanted them to come in and have a good experience at, and have a, a celebration. Um, and also like having the celebration of life, you know, and not forgetting about like my husband and everything. But um, every so what we do now to keep um, supporting charities is pretty much I mean anyone that comes to me and asks me for anything obviously like we're just giving out gift cards for everyone to do for whatever charity they're raising money for um, but like we're very like involved in the community and so giving back in that sense but every credit card transaction that comes through my store a portion of that still goes to Leukemia and Lymphoma Society so we've raised over a hundred thousand dollars to date and my plan is obviously with all of my stores which I would like to have a kids and baby store I want to have a body store with good lingerie um, and all of the stores will just continue to use this particular system so that we can just always give back and hopefully hopefully we'll find a cure that's awesome someday well i certainly applaud that thanks effort 100 percent. what are we doing for fun these days when you're not working <laughs> um, when you're not thinking about your business so yoga has been a huge um, part of my life. Um, I used to do like 11 classes. Um, but 11 eight, classes? That was like my peak weeks. Yeah. A week? Uh-huh. And then my worst weeks were four. And then seven was pretty much my average. Um, and then I don't know if I told you or if you knew, like I got really sick and I almost died this year um, right after I turned 40. So. Yeah, no, I didn't hear that at all. <laughs> yeah. 
So I stopped drinking. Uh, you, you didn't send me that text. <laughs> yeah. And they thought I had the flu, um, but they actually said that I had pneumonia. I didn't work for two months. I couldn't stand. I couldn't like stand for more than a, a tiny period of time. I had to literally sit with something supporting my back because I couldn't just like sit up. I couldn't talk normally because obviously I operate at a very high frequency and I feel very grounded. So I've actually like slowed down my speech a little. What I realized, I think for years, I've been telling the universe, like, I don't know how to relax. And the universe is like, here's pneumonia, figure it out. And I literally had no choice. And so I literally had to learn how to relax, which I've not done my entire existence because I got pregnant at 20 and I've just been running ever since. And right. so I think that um, this was a huge wake up call for me. And so my life completely changed. So for fun, um, I've learned how to relax. Sorry, back to the point or the question. <laughs> Sorry, that's what I do. Um, no, it's all good. So I've stopped doing the heat, but I missed it. Like I felt like I was just investing myself. Like I've been single for the past four years, so I feel like I've been just loving on myself and been in a relationship with myself and trying to break my old patterns and not get back into the same thing. And until I, I, you didn't do the heat, uh, you were doing hot yoga. I was doing hot yoga. That oh. was the only kind of yoga I'd ever done. Wow, um, eleven classes of yeah, hot yoga. Sweating that shit out. Yeah, but I did a lot of like gentle and yin, so I wasn't doing like the crazy workout kind of thing. Like for me, I went to yoga to get the center. I'm like, find your center, find your center. So I've been looking for my center and, you know, I just got back from Bali. So I think I've been talking to little Kendra here for a while now, but yeah, I mean, this year has been self-care. So prior to getting sick, I was doing acupuncture, chiropractic care, because I did a headstand and yoga and I rolled backwards and cracked my neck in three places and tore three ligaments. <laughs> and so I was like, well, never again. Kendra. Um, yeah. So I started writing my book, um, Mind, Body, Soul, when I was sick. Um, and I actually was almost finished with it. And I was on my way back from Bali. And Kendra Leonard does not lose things. And my laptop is gone. And so my entire book has disappeared. And I was assured by like eight different people in three different airports that, oh, yeah, this happens all the time. Of course, you'll get it back. And I am like hearing nothing from Emirates in Dubai. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, God. Um, so I had that moment, too, of like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. And then it was like, OK, there's nothing you can do. You have to let it go. And so I feel like I've had a lot of lessons over the last year of learning how to let go, learning how to breathe. Like I used to like to inhale, th you know, things because when I, you know, drink, I like to smoke and maybe that wasn't helpful for my, you know, pneumonia or my lungs. And so I now have this thing that I call a substitute. It's really fun. I'm going to start selling at the store. I've decided, um, which is just like <laughs> call inhaling it the air. I call it substitute. Yeah. It's like a little cigarette extender, but I don't attach cigarettes to it because I don't want to smoke. I don't like the way it tastes or smells or whatever, but sometimes I just like, and it's, just, it's just like uh, everything is psychological, right? So I like to hold it and it's, beautiful but it's I nothing more than just a calming device at this point it's yeah it's like a little straw and i can just basically like inhale it when i'm like reading or writing or thinking or whatever um and so i've done a lot of reading i've done a lot of writing this year um uh, yoga is still something that i do i've actually started my own practice at home just because i'm really trying to be in tune to my body like what does my body need oh my body needs to do this position because that feels great um and so really just really trying to hone in on me and sink in deep and listen to myself and trust myself and learn and pay attention. Um, so that's what this whole last year has really been about. Um, and re and relaxing, wow. <laughs> listening to water, being in nature, like just sitting there with the trees. Um, it sounds really simple. It's so heavy though. <laughs> yeah. But it's also enlightening because the, the weight is gone, I guess. It, yeah, I have. I feel the lightest that I have ever felt in my entire existence. Incredible. Um, I still get massages on a weekly basis. Sure, yeah. But I 
it's not to the level I, I used to need it so bad. My body was in so much pain. And so like just paying attention to like, even what I'm eating, um, and oh, what I'm putting sure. in my I mean, body. That's, that makes such a monumental difference is your diet. Yeah. And oh, especially as we get older. Well, yeah, things don't, uh, operate the same way and <laughs> they don't, they don't hold their same shape anymore. I mean, my clothing, like they're definitely, I don't know. I put on my jeans and I'm like, Oh my God, have I just been wearing elastic waist pants this long? <laughs> like what's going on? Um, and so like paying attention to that cause I want to look good and not just because I'm single or whatever, like I want to look good for me. Um, and I want to be healthy. I want to live a very, very long life, but I want to live a very long, healthy life. And I don't know, I just visited a shaman in Bali and he's like health and happiness and success. And I'm like, cool. And he's like, no worries anymore. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying not to cause January fucking sucked, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know, and there's again, well, I there's mean, we I are in do. retail, right? January has never been a monumental month. No, but no matter what year we had a good year last year. And so that made it extra painful cause oh, we were, we were down and it was very painful, but it's in the past and like, you can't do anything about it moving on. Like, so I think all the elements of yoga truly do translate into life for me at least and so like even just the breathing like you can reset your entire everything and that's so I breathe a lot um, and I know that we breathe obviously on a regular basis but but very rarely with intention yeah so I think we inhale a lot and if you think about when you're stressed and you're pissed you're just like <laughs> and you're huffing but you're not like and you might be puffing but you're not fully like exhaling when you're and so to really release like we as humans are meant to release and you know meant to have orgasms and meant to go to the bathroom and like all these things like we we're meant to release and part of that is breathing too and instead we hold it and it goes into our body and anyway I've just been doing lots of lots of work this year that's great well I don't think it's any coincidence that all of this self-care falls in only the lonely month uh, right so <laughs> I think uh I think that weight is only going to be further lifted thank you I appreciate that well thank you so much for taking part in the standard age podcast oh, it's you. always good to see you it's so good to see you so and glad. uh I really appreciate it I'm sure somebody's going to learn something from this <laughs> I hope so at least one person hopefully I hope. I hope. <laughs> all right Kendra good to see you thanks cheers I'd like to thank Kendra one more time for having me in store to chat about all things related to the artist style and how she's come so far in her 10 years 10 years is certainly impressive in today's climate and I'm super happy to see all that's to come as well big thanks to clear audio for the use of their headphones and to Jensen Reed and super beautiful for the theme music stay tuned for next week as always Tuesday morning we'll bring another edition of the standard age podcast thank you so much for listening 